What's going on, everybody? Welcome back, or welcome to another fantastic, wonderful, frightening episode of Fraternity, where me and my big brother take you through the wonders of horror. I'm your little brother, Danny, and I'm here with my big brother, Sean. How's everybody doing tonight? And Sean, it's the Friday before Valentine's Day. And to go with the spirit of Valentine's Day, we're going to be talking about a movie about love. Ain't that right? We sure are. We're going to be bringing you our fond memories and fresh perspectives while we celebrate horror and relive the film together. We're going to shower you with a lot of love tonight. Not like obsessive love. We aren't 14-year-old girls with psychological disorders, right? But it's love nonetheless. So what wonderful movie are we doing, Danny? We're going to be talking about 1993's The Crush, a movie about unrequited and underage love. We definitely are. But before we get to the movie, Danny, over on Twitter, we did a little Guess Our February lineup trivia, and it's always a bit of a risk for us when we do these community interaction bits. We've done a lot of outreach and have a good bit of followers that are still growing. But it's like, you don't want to put out a poll or do a quiz and then end up getting no participation. It would just suck, right? It's just a bad look in general. You just look like a, not an idiot, but you look like you got egg on your face. You know, it's just a little embarrassing coming from a uh, creator point of view. Luckily, we did get interaction. Our expectations were far exceeded. And it was a great deal of fun. And the winner was none other than Kate L. And you know, Kate wasn't in it for the glory. From the sound of it, Kate just enjoyed a good puzzle. And she just had to figure out what those answers were. Well, she figured it out. So congratulations to Kate, a lover of horror, history, animals, and cake. So we hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day, Kate. Enjoy some horror. Have some cake. Make it one for the history books. And thanks to everyone else who participated as well. We love you all, truly. Because we are just horror fans, and it's a real joy for us to contribute to this great community. And the fact that you all are here with us is just the icing on our cake. It really means so much to us, and we'll never take your time or passion for granted. So thanks again, and congrats to Kate. Congrats to Kate, and... Again, thank you everyone who participated. It was really wonderful reading your emails and kind of leading you on with the hints. It was great fun, and we'll definitely do something like this again. So back to The Crush. I absolutely love this movie. I don't believe in guilty pleasures because I don't base my enjoyment of something off of anybody's opinion but my own. But if I did, I think that this movie would definitely fit the bill. I know that this movie has a mini cult following. Not huge. I don't think it would take that much Kool-Aid to wipe us all out. I just remember (laughs) seeing this movie all the time on cable. And I'm talking all the time. I really liked it, though. I always remember seeing the intro with the freeway shots and waiting for that first glimpse of Carrie Elwes to make sure it was the crush before I'd settle in and watch the whole thing over and over again. I can't put my finger on why I liked it so much. I just did. It's a thriller, but not a particularly good one. With adult eyes, I'd say it's competent at best. But when I look at it with nostalgia goggles, it's still got me by the balls. 
A descriptor I like to use for this film is male horror. Because if you're an honest-to-goodness young adult male with morals and principles, then this is the ultimate nightmare, right? Oh yeah, definitely hits close to home for some guys, for sure. Then there's Alicia Silverstone. She just exploded in the years after this, starring in Aerosmith videos, Clueless. She was even Batgirl, although that movie was a pile of dog shit. But you know what? She'll always be Adrian to me. We in the horror community got her first, and I, for one, will cherish it forever. We also get the lovely Jennifer Rubin. Most horror fans will remember her from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. One of my all-time favorite films, though, is Bad Dreams, where she plays the lead. So I think that's another reason I always liked this movie. So let's not waste any more time and jump right in to The Crush. But before that, I just wanted to say you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Fraternity. You can add us, DM us, just like our tweets, keep up to date with everything we're doing. You can email us. If you got any questions, comments, anything at all, just want to say hi, you can email us at Fraternity at gmail.com. That's Fraternity at gmail.com. And we have a YouTube channel. Go over to YouTube, type in Fraternity in the search box. And you'll find our channel where we're uploading previous episodes. And we have uploaded every single episode from 2021 over there on YouTube. So if you're just getting started out, catching up on old episodes, go over on YouTube and give us some views over there. We'd appreciate it. I just have to say, straight out the gate, I love how 90s this movie is. (laughs) It's just in-your-face 90s. There's something about just the early 90s era and feeling in film that I just adore. You know, I'm a little young to like truly appreciate the 90s, but I've always had this sort of nostalgia for everything surrounded by it. And I think a lot of people my age do as well. And yeah, I just love just the feeling that the beginning of this movie, that the opening has. We meet Nick Elliott as he drives around looking for a new place to live, moving to a new city due to getting a new job. He looks at a few dumpy apartments before ending up in a residential upper class area. And distracted due to checking a map, he runs over Adrian while she rollerblades. And that's the end of our movie. (laughs) If only. If only that was the end. How much do you think he regrets not suffering from brake failure here by the end of the movie? It's definitely up there. Big regrets. After Nick stops short of creaming the alluring young lady named Adrian, she rides off on her rollerblades after giving them this look that I'm not really sure how to describe. A little bit of a disgust or disdain or confusion or a combination of all of those. Yeah. Fortunately, Nick has also stopped in front of the place he was looking for, an upscale house with a guest house for rent. He walks and talks with a woman we quickly learn is Adrian's mother as Nick overhears her playing the piano inside. The mother mentions how she and her husband are often away on business and would like someone around the residence. And Nick is looking for a quiet place to do his work, and the guest house fits the bill. It certainly beats the apartments he was looking at. And the mother mentions how Adrian is very headstrong, as she likes to call it. And so it begins. Yeah, the crush starts out harmless enough as we see Adrian snooping outside. And she sends her friend Cheyenne in to do some recon. I love when Nick asks her who she is, and she tells him her name. And he's like, Injun, huh? And she's like, No, hippie parents. (laughs) (laughs) And after Cheyenne leaves, Nick looks out the window and notices Adrian snooping. And when Cheyenne reports to Adrian, she calls Nick old. 
He is 28. So I'm sure that's old to them. But Jesus, talk about sticking the dagger in, Cheyenne. Chill out. (laughs) (laughs) You're making me feel old. I know. I'm only two years away. One year away almost to 28. Shit. You're almost old. I'm almost (laughs) old. 28's the new 40. (laughs) Nick arrives late to the staff meeting at the offices of Peak, the magazine he was just hired by. We meet the gorgeous and spunky photographer, Amy, as Nick gets chewed out before getting assigned to dig up information on this Levansky embezzlement case. And one night while Nick is working on the article, Adrian shows up and displays an interest and demonstrates surprising knowledge to Nick from who should be an uninterested 14-year-old girl. There's a great line where he's like, are you sure you're only 14? Almost 15. (laughs) Ooh, almost 15, Danny. Cringe. (laughs) Look, we know in the grand scheme of this that Nick is undeniably the victim here. But that's not to say he doesn't do some foolish shit, right? Foolish or perhaps unaware. He does stumble a few times here in the story. I think you can chalk it up to him being too nice. Like when she comes into the house while he's showering and sneaks a peek at those Carrie Elwes man buns. (laughs) Now I know uh, Alicia Silverstone had to stand in for her butt shot. But did Carrie Elwes? It's a good question. I don't know where we get the answers to that. I think we'd have to go straight to the source. One day. We'll get down that mystery. Adrian begs Nick to come to a party her parents are throwing before Nick goes back to work. And when at work he goes over the article that's been presented to his boss, and he realizes it's not his writing. But his boss is actually impressed by the article that we will soon learn was rewritten by Adrian. So Nick does go to the party and mingle with these upper-class socialites. We meet Adrian's father, Cliff, played by Kurtwood Smith, who always brings his A-game and always nails the thankless dad role. (laughs) (laughs) You just barred to play that role, that kind of role. Oh, yeah. Nick watches Adrian play the piano before she lures Nick outside. And again, Nick kind of digs his own grave with the, I'll tell you, if you were 10 years older. (laughs) Yeah, that's one Nick mistake. (laughs) Bad move, Nick. And it's here that Adrian reveals that she wrote the article. And then Nick makes a really big mistake. Probably his biggest mistake when Adrian asks him to take her for a ride in his car. And she takes him to a lighthouse. And while there she softens him up by complaining about feeling like a freak because of her above normal IQ. She skipped two grades. She has trouble making friends. She's a beautiful but misunderstood young lady. And she just doesn't want Nick to be afraid of her, Danny. Yeah, why be afraid of a 14-year-old girl who can pick locks and get inside your room, steals your photos? (laughs) Then she plants one on Nick, who engages until that little chub in his pants presses against the jailbait alert button in his brain. (laughs) I love once Nick gets home, too. He needs a hard drink, Danny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Immediately starts drinking, and you can sense the regret filling him. (laughs) And the worry, too, because at this point, he's got to be like, shit, like, what is she going to do, you know? (laughs) Hey, Adrian goes to bed all smiles. She's planting the seeds. Yeah, she wants him to plant some seeds. (laughs) Next, we get this creep-tastic scene where Nick is working on his computer when he hears something outside. 
And he looks out his window and finds Adrian sunbathing right outside the window wearing this tiny blue bikini. And what really makes this scene, though, is I said I love how 90s this movie is. And boy, does it have some obscure music. We get this song by Otto and Cherokee over this scene, and it's like, you could taste that if you want. <laughs> and it's got, like, female moaning. Oh, man. It's a bit heavy-handed here. <laughs> you could taste that if you want. <laughs> it's goofy, but, you know, you gotta love that 90s goofy, almost cringe <laughs> music choices and the way they dress a scene. It's just, it's great. I eat it up. You can taste that if you want. Nick quickly shuts the blinds. And like I said, this is the ultimate male terror. <laughs> and Adrian knows he's looking, right? Kind of makes that glance at his window. Again, leading him on. Nick is on the trail. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, Nick hosts a barbecue for his coworkers. And before it gets started, Adrian comes running, calling forth to Nicholas Darling. But she runs right into Nick and Amy. Awkward. Nicholas Darling. <laughs> he even introduces her to Amy as his landlord's kid. Talk about a stinger. <laughs> oh yeah, and we see Adrian clearly embarrassed and pissed. Because Amy is making fun of Adrian like, <laughs> Nicholas Darling? Really? <laughs> and we can see a hint of evil in those eyes. Oh yeah. At the party, we get this really goofball scene where the boss arrives in a suit to tell Nick that Levansky wants to speak with the magazine and wants Nick to be part of the deal for the interview. He gives him a bottle of wine before telling them, as you were. <laughs> I don't know, the boss is just a real goofball character in this movie. Nick suggests wine and marshmallows, so Amy goes to fetch some sticks in the orchard. And we get a bit of foreshadowing here as Amy notices a nearby wasp's nest. And soon afterwards, she's startled by Adrian, who questions what she's doing there before flexing on Amy with her knowledge of insects. You know, genus Vespula. They all sting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone's gonna figure that out the hard way. They return to the party and notice Nick talking to another female co-worker. And Adrian gushes over her beauty and then delivers this sick burden to Amy by saying, Don't worry, Amy. Some men really like girls with small breasts. Ooh, that one's gotta hurt. Yeah, I love that look Amy gives her after that, too. Just like, what'd you say to me, bitch? But you're 14, so I can't, like, get into it with you. Yeah, it's just like this look of, like, at first confusion. And then it's, like, disgust. Like, fuck you, <laughs> you little twerp. <laughs> Yeah, after the party, Amy talks to Nick about the fact that Adrian has a crush on him. And she gives him some sound advice on being the adult and not blurring the lines. And Nick asks if she thinks he did something to provoke this, and she asks if he did, but he says no. And I don't think he did. I guess if he were responsible for anything, it would have been letting those lines get a little blurred. What do you think? Yeah, even in the scene, he seems blissfully unaware at how strong Adrian is really coming off to, you know, everyone on the outside. It's very clear to Amy what's going on, but Nick is just like, what? Like, I didn't do anything. He really does think she just sees him as a friend. We get another lecherous scene where the camera just oogles all over Adrian's body as she calls Nick and attempts to lure him outside to play. Now... We all know that the world has changed a lot over the past 30 years. 
And it's hard to argue that people would find these scenes way more offensive today than they would have back then. I'm not jumping to anyone's defense or saying they're right now or they're right then. I have no problem with the scenes, but we have to question the intent here. She is the villain in this story and doing this with purpose. I can't speak to the filmmaker's intent, but I think we can assume in the context of the film that through these scenes, we are having thrust upon us as the viewer what is being thrust upon Nick in this story. Did you have any thoughts? Yeah, I don't find it offensive at all. And I think it totally serves the purpose of the story. I think the story is intent on making you uncomfortable and feel like you're in Nick's shoes with this girl obsessing over him. And in that regard, I think they succeed. Because yeah, these shots of Adrian are creepy in context when you think like, oh, this is a 14-year-old girl. But that's their point, you know? That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. Well said. And then this scene closes out with some really uncomfortable, I got my period and I'm not pregnant talk before we hear Nick ask Adrian if she stole a picture of his that she had displayed an interest in earlier. Yeah, the period line is what makes Nick snap out of it and realize, oh, I think Amy is right here. She's onto something with Adrian. Soon after this, Nick ends up making one of his more egregious decisions when he enters the house and snoops around a bit. He ends up having to hide in Adrian's closet as she's preparing a shower for herself. She becomes aware of his presence and strips in front of the closet as he is helpless to do anything but watch. And we even see her smiling towards the closet because she knows he's in there. And Nick chose to keep looking. He didn't close his eyes. He got the full frontal nudie look at Adrian. She heads into the shower and Nick goes to leave the house but runs right into Red Foreman. I mean, Cliff Forrester at the door. (laughs) And Cliff asks Nick to help him carry some stuff upstairs. And we end up seeing that Cliff has a fully operational carousel in his attic. Is this even, like, possible? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Oh, man. Those things can't be light. I don't know the weight limit of an attic. (laughs) It does look like a pretty big attic. (laughs) It is a big house. Yeah, he shows it off to Nick, and it's another nice piece of foreshadowing, though. Because this will end up making for a surprising and unique set piece for the finale of the film. It's certainly not subtle. It's like, huh, I wonder when they're gonna show off the carousel. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly it wouldn't be for a finale. (laughs) Never. Not a chance. They have a really awkward conversation here, too, about Adrian blossoming into womanhood. Nick's like, yeah, I noticed. (laughs) (laughs) dude you've known her for how long how would you have any point of reference (laughs) cliff has a wonderful bit here though where he talks about dreading the day some boy with a raging hard-on comes knocking on the door and he mentions hoping he doesn't go breaking it off (laughs) while gripping a pair of pliers and we see nick just sweat (laughs) (laughs) awkward that awkward laugh like He's like, you know what I mean, right? Not really. Not really. Adrian interrupts before Nick sees himself off. But Nick used the excuse of returning a book to Adrian as to why he was in the house. And her dad asks her what book she lent him. And Adrian plays dumb for the briefest of moments before going along with Nick's fabrication as he escapes this awkward mess that he just created. (laughs) 
I gotta say, bad move, Nick. Just terrible idea going in that house. Tensions rise. The awkwardness is uh, getting close to its peak here. <laughs> Let's hope it was just the tension that was rising. Next, we get a scene where Nick finally attempts to be the adult in the room. He confronts Adrian as she swings and tells her that he likes her as a friend and will always be there for her as a friend. She presses him by bringing up the kiss at the lighthouse and he tells her it was a mistake. Then she asks if sneaking into her room to watch her undress was a mistake too. Lacking a response to that irresponsible fuck up, he decides to walk away and Adrian calls out to him asking, Hey Nick, ever done a virgin? I know you want to. And this sets Nick off in such a rage that he suddenly has an English accent. <laughs> You're too young for me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not make any bones about it. There's nothing between us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why Nick suddenly did a, like a character bit here. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing between us. You're too young for me. That's final. <laughs> He's talking to her like a baby, like you t- you know how you do voices for a baby. <laughs> He's trying to <laughs> drive home the point that she's too young for him. <laughs> oh, man. You tried, Carrie. You tried. Oh, I love this scene. I love just the way that Adrian responds in that, like, cutesy voice, like, was watching me undress a mistake, too? Like, just totally gaslighting Nick and putting him in this corner. Oh, man. And Adrian knows exactly what she's doing, you know, confident in her abilities and just chuckling as Nick is trying to break this unwanted relationship off. Oh, it's great for sure, because the power dynamics in this scenario are completely flipped. Nick doesn't have the slightest idea on how to handle this or get out of it outright. And we do know Adrian is probably smarter than him. And I also like how when Nick finally is like, going ham on her in that english accent like you can tell he's delivering like a left hook and a right hook because it's hitting her and we know it hit her because things are about to get really ugly for nick the next day we see nick with an extra pep in his step as he takes amy to see the new paint job he's had done to his car he takes the car cover off and speaks triumphantly as amy looks down at the hood Nick makes his way over and is stopped dead in his tracks as the words cock and sucker have been scratched into his hood. Now put them together, kids. Cock and (laughs) you're a cock and sucker. (laughs) We see Nick at breakfast with Adrian's parents where he's told them about the incident and his feelings towards Adrian being responsible. But it doesn't take much of a denial for Adrian's parents to brush these accusations aside because Nick has no proof. Yeah, I love when Adrian comes down and her father asks her if she could scratch Nick's car and Adrian just deflects and is like, why would I do that? And then makes her way to writing practice. (laughs) Oh man, she totally just knows how to work this shit, man. She's got experience. We then see Cheyenne approach Nick outside and ask him to meet her in the orchard later that night as she wants to talk to him about Adrian. We can see, though, that someone... Obviously, Adrian is watching from a window. Later, we see Cheyenne and Adrian at the stables where they're training. And we're about to witness the first violent consequences of Adrian's psychotic issues. As she sabotages Cheyenne's saddle, causing her to fall after a jump and break her arm. Then we see Nick that night waiting in the orchard for Cheyenne when he's startled by the presence of Adrian, who tells him about the 
quote unquote accident and mentions how a person can never be too careful. Speaking of being careful, we get a grand scheme of fuckery here when Nick discovers that Adrian has erased all of his files pertaining to the Levansky interview. He ends up having to return home to crunch it out, but before he gets to work, he discovers a door in his floor that leads to a room underneath, and there he finds a really creepy and dangerous as fuck shrine to him. Like, how long has this fire hazard been there? <laughs> is, is she trying to kill Nick? <laughs> how did he never, like, notice this hatch door? Why are there candles lit? <laughs> Why didn't he take any pictures? <laughs> <laughs> I guess 28 isn't that old after all. <laughs> We then get this great sequence structured around Nick rewriting the interview as he dodges incoming calls from Adrian. He unplugs the phone and we watch as his answering machine fills up with messages. He even gets a locksmith to change the locks. And I like the locksmith asks if he wants the kryptonite. It's $40 extra. And he's like, give me the kryptonite. <laughs> yeah, it shows how many messages Adrian has left on the answering machine. And it's inching up to 99 so, yeah, I think I'll pay the $40, bro. <laughs> In the end, Nick gets it done as he goes searching for another place to rent as well. And he lines something up with a woman who has a basement apartment available for rent. At this point, Nick just wants out, right? Yeah, he's asking the landlord if he can move in sooner than the first, and the landlord says she'll see what she can do. Yeah, Amy arrives back at his apartment, and we can see he's already packing all his shit up. And she ends up asking Nick out. And the two of them embrace, and Amy stays the night. And we see Adrian standing over them later that night as they sleep. And Nick wakes up in a cold sweat. Adrian isn't there, but we can hear banging and wailing from Adrian in the distance. Nick runs out there to find her in a room with a cleaver chopping up lemons. And Nick's like, Adrian, what are you doing? <laughs> Making lemonade. Want some? <laughs> You know, I will say before that, we saw Adrian in her bedroom, like, crying over a candle. And you almost feel bad for her, because on some level, surely she is, like, psychologically damaged. Yeah, she's dealing with real feelings, but these feelings are fleeting and, you know, a big jumbled mess in her mind. The next morning, as Amy walks to her car, she runs into Adrian, who asks her if her and Nick fucked last night she's like i mean y'all didn't you know <laughs> <laughs> and amy tries to be an adult and explain to adrian that one day she'll realize that her crush was nothing more than a silly youthful infatuation but of course adrian only responds to this perceived condensation with her own gee amy i hope when i grow up i'm as smart as you ah uh, poor amy such good intentions here the road to hell has paved with good intentions <laughs> Yeah, because we're going to get a really horror-inspired sequence here where Amy goes into her dark room to develop some photographs. We watch as an unseen person locks her inside before rigging the ventilation shaft with the wasp nest from the orchard. I love the way this sequence is done because we're in a dark room, so we get some unique lighting. And just before the genus Vespula are let loose, we see this photograph being developed and it ends up being a selfie taken by Adrian on Amy's camera, and then we get this wild wasp attack, and we get these great lingering shots on the photograph of Adrian as Amy is bitten up. I really like this scene. What did you think? Oh yeah, I love that too. The uh, 
photo slowly developing as Amy's just getting bombarded by these wasps. And this selfie that Adrian took, she isn't smiling. She's got this like mean mug look on her face. Yeah. Amy manages to smash a window before she collapses to the ground. And we then see Nick being informed of this apparent accident as Adrian enters to inform her of her upcoming competition. Now, at this competition, Adrian flips out when she realizes Nick isn't there to watch her. And she ends up taking a cab to this charity hosted by his boss where she confronts him in front of this large crowd and smacks the shit out of him. (laughs) (laughs) It echoes throughout the entire building. (laughs) He grabs her by the arm and takes her out. He takes her outside and smashes her up against the wall and tells her to stay the fuck away from me. And she attempts to throw herself on him, exclaiming that she loves him and he loves her. And he finally breaks away from her and he's like, you're pathetic. Yeah, I love the acting here with Adrian just like throwing herself on Nick and he's just like forcefully pulling her off him. And she's like screaming, but also trying to make love to him like... Oh man, it's great, you know. She's having her delusions like shattered right in front of her. And everyone in the charity can hear this. (laughs) Like you see the boss like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) We then see Nick's new apartment has fallen through as Adrian has called them and warned them that Nick is a drug dealer. I'll give you three to get out of here. Nick could have taken that guy. Easy. Yeah, that guy did not look like some tough guy. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Doughboy, grandson. (laughs) As Nick heads back to the guest house, he finds the place swarming with cops. And an officer asks Nick to step out of the vehicle and places him under arrest for the sexual assault of a minor. We then see Adrian, accompanied by her parents, being taken to the hospital. And she shows signs of physical damage. And smiles at Nick as he's attacked by her father. Get him off me! Get him off me! Get him off me! (laughs) (laughs) We then watch as she tells this fabricated rape tale in the hospital. He just wouldn't take no for an answer, Danny. Ugh. Frightening stuff. We also see Nick being interrogated and attempting to explain his side of the story. But again, this is why this is male horror. Because how would anyone ever buy this story? Yeah, Adrian sells it so well, like no one, we see the cops here not even listening to Nick. Did you ever put your penis inside of her vagina? (laughs) I just told you no. (laughs) (laughs) We got a problem. They found semen in her. Yeah, they inform Nick they found semen inside of Adrian. And not long afterwards, we see that Nick has been bailed out by his employer. And the lawyers inform him that Adrian and her parents will be leaving the house so that he can pick his shit up and just move away. And he explains to his boss that he believes she must have stolen a condom from his trash. And he swears up and down, You gotta believe me, I never touched her. (laughs) But the boss tells Nick, she's a 14-year-old girl. You be the jury. Again, just demonstrating the helplessness. Yeah, that's the scariest part of it all. It's just like, even if you were telling the truth, who's gonna believe you? Later that night, we see Nick packing up the rest of his things when Cheyenne ends up arriving to talk with him. She tells him of another man that Adrian had a crush on, who has wound up dead after ingesting something poisonous. She mentions that Adrian also knows quite a bit about wasps, and Nick tells her he's aware of all of this, but there simply isn't any proof. Cheyenne brings up the fact that Adrian has a diary, and it may prove valuable as evidence, and Nick tells her that he'll inform the lawyers but that she needs to get away from there and he can take care of himself. 
Not long after Cheyenne leaves, Nick notices the sound of the piano from the house. So he runs over to make sure Cheyenne is safe and searches through the house. He ends up finding another shrine on Adrian's bed. Yet another fire hazard. (laughs) (laughs) And this shrine is expressing sorrow and apology towards Nick, right? Right, yeah. Adrian tells Nick that she came back to fix things. But again, Nick wants no part of this. And really, all he's there for is to try and find Cheyenne. He's like, I'm looking for Cheyenne. And Adrian's like, what, you want to do her too? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when Nick walks away, she ends up attacking him with the pole that's used to pull the attic door down. And boy, the HD era has not been kind to this scene. (laughs) It gets pretty ugly. (laughs) I don't think it was ever good, but now it's just bad. (laughs) As there's an obvious male stuntman doubling for Adrian. As she attacks Nick with the pole. (laughs) Yikes. Then Adrian ends up pushing him over the balcony. And we get a bit of a villain monologue here. Where Adrian talks about how none of this would have mattered in 10 years. Before mocking Nick with his only friends quote. But before she can put the kibosh on Nick. We see some headlights of an arriving vehicle. And Adrian's dad pops out and makes every effort to get inside the locked house as an injured Nick pursues Adrian into the attic. Hmm. Why ever would we go to the attic, Danny? Huh, I wonder. What could possibly be in the attic? Not a carousel, huh? (laughs) Yeah, in the attic we see Cheyenne has been kidnapped and tied up to a horse on the fully operating carousel. Nick is attacked from behind as he helps Cheyenne. All the while, old Papa Forrester is getting closer to getting into the attic himself. And Nick ends up getting on top of Adrian and attempts to hold her down. But he gets attacked by her dad as she cries out for help from him. And Cliff chokes Nick before Adrian ends up clubbing him because she needs to protect her love more than anything, right? Yeah, I love this back and forth where it's like she's beating on Nick. And then it's like, no, dad, don't hurt Nick. He's my lover. (laughs) (laughs) And it only takes two whacks, and Red Foreman is out. <laughs> Somehow. To, not even to the head, but like to the back. I guess he did say his ba- he had a bad back when he asked Nick for that favor. <laughs> That's a really bad back when you go unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> Nick rises to his feet as Adrian rushes him, but he manages to grab the pole and deck her with a punch that knocks her conniving 14-year-old pretty little ass clear across the room (laughs) where she collapses unconscious. What a shot, Nick. Let us paint this picture for you. (laughs) She just doesn't fall. Adrian goes flying from this punch across the room. (laughs) I'd say she flew a good 10 feet. What do you think? Easy 10 feet. That's the hardest punch in recorded history right there. I think Nick's a superhero. (laughs) He might be after that. So the psycho bitch is down, and it's time to wrap things up. We see Adrian writing a letter to Nick when a doctor finds her. She's in some kind of a mental health clinic, and he tells her to focus on her progress, and he'll see her in their afternoon session. We then see Nick asleep on his sofa in a new residence, and Amy enters and tosses him the mail that has been collected at the office. And in the mail, he finds multiple letters from Adrian. Lastly, we see Adrian being escorted to her room, where she's locked inside. 
She sits down on her bed and puts some headphones on before gazing at a photograph that she clearly stole from her doctor's desk. She stares off with an infatuated gaze as we focus on her face. And that's the end of our movie. So Danny, we've got no kills. So don't hold anything back. Give us your final thoughts and impressions on The Crush. Sean, I really like this movie. I want to love it, but I don't think I can just elevate it past being only a crush. Oh, man. I think the movie is solid up until Nick gets arrested. After that, it feels a little sloppy to me. It feels rushed. It feels like they wrote themselves into a corner and had to quickly figure out how to get this all to culminate into a finale. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense that Nick could get bailed out and could have his trial suspended, but it just feels off to me. And it kind of breaks a lot of the tension that builds throughout the whole movie. But other than that, I think this movie is really entertaining. There's just something about it that just grabs me instantly. And it is a horror story of every man's worst nightmare. You know, being gaslit by a bad bitch girl boss who happens to be 14. So I think it's great. I do have problems with it. It's fun, but I agree with you. I don't have guilty pleasures because it's like, why? If I like something, I'm just going to tell you that I like it. And you know what? I like the crush. Fuck it. The c- there was a carousel though, Danny. <laughs> the carousel that makes entirely no sense how it got there and how it would <laughs> ever get out. <laughs> You'd have to take the roof off to get a crane. I will say, I always thought the scene of Nick getting bailed out was a little weird, too. Because why would your job do that? And then who's who's this lawyer? It just feels sloppy, you know? Maybe if there was a scene where, like, Adrian talked her parents into not pressing charges, but is that something you could even do in the case of sexual assault of a minor yeah because it's like that's, that's such a serious crime and it feels like it just gets a little hand waved you know and i'm just like it, it takes you out i think i would much rather have adrian like taking her gaslighting all the full way and i don't know i was i think it ends a little too neatly wrapped up for my tastes as well you know adrian is where she needs to be in a mental institution and nick is having a happy life with amy here But I just, uh, I don't know. I guess I wanted a bad ending, you know? I wanted something more fucked up to happen. (laughs) Right on. Well, it is a bummer that this is our first film where we have no kills. But did you find a favorite scene while watching The Crush, Danny? Yeah, my favorite scene. It's a quick one, but it's when Adrian confronts Nick at his boss's benefit party. Really? Yeah. I just love how Adrian can fit herself into the role that she's written for herself. You know, she walks up to Nick, acting as if Nick and her are this disgruntled couple having a spat in the middle of this party. That little kiss on the cheek that she gives him. The question of why he didn't show up to her performance. All stuff that sounds entirely plausible. And then that sound of the slap against Nick's face. Oh man, (laughs) it's great. And I just love how this is the moment where Adrian's delusions come crashing down as she's going back and forth like, Nick, you love me, I love you, and then screaming in terror as Nick is just disgusted by her and she's still attempting to throw herself on him. And, you know, it, it, this scene does lead to Adrian's ultimatum, I guess, with the accusation of the sexual assault. And this is where the movie, I think, peaks for me. And then after that, slowly kind of rides down. And 
I guess I just wanted more after this scene because I do think this is the scene where the tension is like at its peak. So that's why I like it. Right on. Good choice. Cool. So, Sean, give me your favorite scene. Well, I've already spoken to how much I love this film. We've mentioned before on the show how we usually watch the films we cover multiple times. And I have to admit, I've watched The Crush prior to doing this episode more than I've watched any of the other movies we've covered. (laughs) And it was for my own enjoyment. Like, I was just really vibing with The Crush. There's just something about it. I don't know. Like, it is alluring. But even with all the problems, all the blemishes on the film, there's just something that's, uh, it just takes you, takes you for a ride. Yeah, I can't agree more. And it definitely has quite a few scenes that I really like. I do really like the darkroom wasp attack sequence. I also really like the final shots of her in the clinic when she stares at the picture of her new target of infatuation. And we see that there really haven't been any strides in helping her. (laughs) And the terror will definitely start anew. But I think my favorite scene would have to be the confrontation between Nick and her when she's on the swing. At this point, she just overwhelmingly has his number. She's conniving and evil. And what's more is she's intelligent enough to pull it off. Yet we see her here as this 14-year-old girl playing on a swing. There's this picture of innocence quality. Yet we know she's anything but. And I think that aspect shines the best here. I mean, Alicia Silverstone did win Best Breakthrough Performance and Best Villain at the MTV Movie Awards for this role. I know that doesn't mean much these days. That's a high honor. (laughs) Is it really, though? I'm not sure. (laughs) But I guess MTV did have a flicker of credibility left back then. (laughs) (laughs) But I can definitely see why she would have got an award like that. And I think this scene exemplifies it best. So that's my favorite scene. Yeah, that's a great scene. And that probably would have been my second choice. Again, I think it's uh, similar to the scene that I picked and where, yeah, she just has complete control and just, you know, is so smart and conniving. And that's what makes it scary. Definitely. Well, that's the crush. And that's our Valentine's special. So we hope you have a great weekend and a great Valentine's Day. And if you're following us over on Twitter and have taken our quiz, you know what movie's coming up next. You know what movies we're doing all month. But I can't tell you that. You'll just have to head over to Twitter and check that quiz out yourself. So until next week, we hope everyone has a great time. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day. We hope your significant other isn't as crazy as Adrian here. Or as 14 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that too. So we'll see you next time, folks.